Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Oh, praise the Lord. Welcome to another great Wednesday night united as we get into the Word of God this evening and uh, begin to look at what the Lord would have us to see. We want to continue with this that we've been uh, teaching on uh, some on Wednesday nights entitled The Power in the Word, The Power in the Word. And we want to center up tonight on the truthfulness of the Word of God. You know, what we see in much of society today is a lack of truth, a lack of truth. Now, I'm not going to get into all the particulars or all the issues, uh, but, you know, you you look at situations and people will say, well, that just doesn't make sense. And, And here's why. It's not true. It's not the truth. Truth makes sense, all right? If it's not the truth, it doesn't make sense. Amen. It's, it's, it's like I'll, I'll use this as an example. You know, there are people that believe the earth is flat, all right? Well, they don't take into consideration things like gravity. They don't take into consideration uh, uh, what the rotation of the earth as a sphere does. If the earth was flat, then the gravitational pull would pull everything to the middle of the earth. Uh, the winds, the, 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 the solar winds would be horrible at the edges of the earth. The only place that would be even remotely peaceful and habitable would be the, the, the middle of the earth. All the seas, all of the oceans would be drawn to the middle of the earth. And so my point is, is someone with even a rudimentary understanding of uh, science and a rudimentary understanding of these things can tell you that that's not true. There are people that may like to believe it. There are people that will argue with you about it, but it's just not true. It's the, there's no way to, to substantiate that. And so what we have is a lack, a loss of truth, all right? What makes stability is the truth. And, uh, you know, when Jesus was standing before Pilate, Jesus told him, he said, if you were of the truth, you would hear me. And Pilate made that statement. He said, what is truth? All right, what is truth? That is something that's being asked a lot today. And what happens is on the, the, the Christian side of things, we end up getting into a knee-jerk contest with the world, all right? Uh, the world has their knee-jerk reactions to anything, all right, that says what they're doing is wrong. They have a knee-jerk reaction. You're a bigot. You're a, you're a homophobe. You're a transphobe. You're a whatever. 
And, and it doesn't even have to be something that was derogatory towards what was said. But then right on the other hand, the church has these same knee-jerk reactions. Oh, everything's going to hell in a handbasket. Uh, nobody wants the truth anymore. Uh, everything's falling apart. Well, the, the, the answer is the truth and not our knee-jerk reactions. If you can't look around the world and find something good going on, chances are you've not been looking at the truth, all right? Because it is there. For anything in the Word of God to be real to us, for the power of the Word of God to operate, all right, for it to have an impact on our lives, we have to place faith in it, all right? I have to place faith in the Word of God and what the Word of God said. And I read it this morning uh, from the book of uh, Proverbs where it says, do not fret yourself because of evildoers. I mean, that's what it said. And so you know what? I've made the decision. I've, I've made this decision for years. I'm not going to fret myself because of evildoers. They can't overcome the church. They can't stop the word from working. In the middle of what's going on in the world, the church is thriving. You, do you hear me? I have to place my faith in that. Now, John chapter 8, John chapter 8 and verse 31, we'll read through verse 32. Jesus made the statement, it says, Then Jesus said to those Jews that believed on him, If you continue in my word, if you continue in my word. That's an important word, if. If you continue in my word, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The truth will make you free. So the word continue, as we, we said earlier, it means to remain or to abide or to dwell. So we see if I continue in the word, if I remain in the word, if I abide in the word, then what will I know? The truth. The truth. And so notice where the truth is found, in the Word. What's our part as believers? Continue in the Word. Abide in the Word. And what will happen? The truth that I know, the truth that I abide in, the truth that I stay in will make me free. It will make me free. Hallelujah. We know that John 17, 17 says that Jesus said this. He said, sanctify them through your word, your word, to sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. So to know the truth about anything, stay with the word. All right? When it says that the word is truth, it means the, the, the truth in any circumstance under consideration. Any subject under consideration, the word is truth. So you know the truth. When you know the truth, it means that you know it absolutely. You're absolutely sure. You absolutely know the truth. The only way to arrive at that level of certainty is to continue in and place your faith in the word. All right? You continue in, you abide in the word and you place your faith in the Word. 
There are things that you see in the Word that you don't quite understand, but you, you certify it as truth, and you place your faith in it. Even if you're growing in your understanding of it, you place your faith in it, and you certify it as truth. Amen. Because there are things that, that, that you can run across that you don't understand, you don't have full light on, but you don't throw it away because the Word is truth. Amen. In uh, John 8, 32, he said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So once again, it's you will know the truth. You will know absolutely. You'll be sure. And, and you arrive at that level of certainty by continuing to place your faith in the word. And you're asking what question all the time? What does the Word say? What does the Word say? Look at Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. And Paul is writing here. To Titus, who was over the church at Crete, and notice verse 14. And he says, This is what, as believers, something that we're not to do, or that we're, we are to do. Not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. So what does that mean? You listen to nothing that attempts to turn you from the truth. Amen. You listen to nothing that attempts to turn you from the truth, because where's the power? In the Word. What is the Word? The truth. And you don't listen to anything that attempts to turn you from the truth. Oh, hallelujah. I've heard people say, well, you know, I believe in God, but don't you think it's possible that He used evolution to create all that He created? No. No, I do not. Why? Because the truth says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That God created all the animals after their own kind. If, if, if evolution was how God did it, if evolution had any truth, He would not have created each species of animal after their own kind. Amen. There, there, has always, there have always been monkeys. There have always been elephants there have always been horses and you go down the 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 the, the animal line they, they've always been there because that's how God created them he created man on an entirely different level we are the highest class of being in the universe other than God himself all right now this this is important because what's that statement trying to do turn you from the truth and we live in a day and age where we think that if we soften the truth, 
we're going to have a bigger impact on people. You can't soften the truth. The truth is the truth. Amen. No, that's not what God did. This is what God did according to the manual that he gave me that describes what he did. Amen. See, you, you, you do not fix the problem that a lack of truth has produced by softening the truth. Oh, hallelujah. Do, do, do you see that? In, in any area, any area, and, and I'm, uh, again, I'm not going to get into a lot of that, but my, my point is when you, start, when you start softening the truth under the guise of, well, you know, I'll make it more palatable or, you know, I'll, be, I'll give a very loving gesture, what, what you're doing is you're, 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 you're dampening the truth and you're dumbing down the hearer and the truth is not having the impact on them that it could have. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I've heard people say, the Lord gave me the stroke I suffered to slow me down. No. No, absolutely not. We taught Sunday night on how he is forever and eternally has set himself in the position of our healer forever and eternity. If you are a healer, you don't have any stroke, any cancer, any sickness to give anybody. That is the truth. Amen. Well, but you know, pastor, people don't understand that. They don't understand that because they haven't heard the truth. If they hear the truth, then understanding can come. How are you going to be able to stand against the next physical malady that tries to attack your body? Because you know the truth. I don't have to put up with that. Glory to God. And then the power of the words you know, the power of the truth you know, will begin to operate. Oh, hallelujah. Do you see that? Statements like that are an attempt to turn you from the truth. Here's another one you'll hear. Well, Jesus preached love and acceptance. That's not true. That's not true. Jesus, Jesus taught us to love our neighbor and to love one another, but he did not teach acceptance of everybody's behavior. We, we know that from his interaction with the scribes and the Pharisees that were, that were acting hypocritically and putting burdens on people that they didn't bear themselves. And what did he say? You whitewashed tombs? He said, you, you put a burden on people that nobody else can bear. He said, the prostitutes and the tax collectors are going to the kingdom before you. Wow. Boy, that's acceptance, isn't it? Yeah, but you know, he readily forgave the woman caught in the very act of adultery. He sure did. And he'll forgive anybody just that quick. But what did he say to her at the end of his conversation? Now you go your way and sin no more. Is that right? What was he saying? Lady, what I've forgiven you of was sin. It was sin. Now think about this. Where was the power found to stay free for that woman in what Jesus said? 
I'm going to go and I'm not going to sin anymore. Glory to God. Amen. But what if Jesus would have said, now, dear heart, God understands. We all make mistakes. It's one of those things. You're, you're living in a flesh body. We all sin. After all, we're just sinners saved by grace. Amen. She would have walked away from that encounter with the erroneous idea that she could still do whatever she did and God understood it, and she would have walked away from there still bound by the sin that had plagued her life. If you want to see people free, if you want to see people set free from the bondage of sin and the bondage of the, of the curse and the bondage of carnality, you've got to tell them the truth. You've got to tell them the truth. The truth, what did he say? The truth makes you free. The truth makes you free. Oh, glory to God. Amen. Did do you see that? You know, there's, there's a statement that's used, and, and it used to be something that, uh, you know, the reason why in our nation, the reason why we have the freedom of the press is the press is supposed to basically hold leaders accountable to what they said. And here's the phrase. The press calls it speaking truth to power. Speaking truth to power. So that means that the press corps, and, and I know you're chuckling. I can hear you now. But I, I know that the press corps, uh, uh, by and large, in the day that we live in, we don't see some truth in a lot of areas, right? But originally, it was to hold leaders accountable by holding them to the truth. This is what you said. And this is when you said it. Amen. Speaking truth to power. How, how do you defeat the power of sin? How do you defeat the power of the curse? How do you defeat the power of that thing that's tried to hold you in bondage? Speak truth to it. Speak truth to it. Speak truth to it. Because the power is found in the truth. Amen. Paul called these things fables and commandments of men. Jewish fables and commandments of men that do what? Turn men from the truth. So there are teachings that we as believers should not even expose our mind to, no matter how popular they are. No matter how popular they are. Don't even expose your mind to it. Why? It'll hinder the truth. It'll try to turn you from the truth. Amen. You know, you know some time ago, uh, a very prominent minister came out with his understanding that tithing was no longer necessary. And I've had people ask me, they say, did you ever listen to that message? No. Are you ever going to listen to it? No. Because if he said that, that's not true. Why would I listen to that and allow my mind to be exposed to doubt about something? Amen. Have you ever heard Christians say, well, I just want to see their opinion. No, you don't, because it violates the truth. 
I said it violates the truth. What, what is that? It's, 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 a, it's what he says right here. It is a fable. It's a commandment of men. And you don't want to expose your mind to it. That's how the enemy attempts to get a foothold or a hook in our mind. I've had people tell me before that there would be certain shows that they would uh, want to watch and that they started watching and that in the process of watching that show, it began uh, to cause them to start to question some of the things that they had been taught. And, and, and they had to make a decision to stick with the Word. Quit watching that and stick with the Word. Amen. You know, if for instance, in the case of uh, confession, uh, having what you say, believing that you receive, amen, we, we, some people call it naming it and claiming it and, and these different things. Well, you know, there are other erroneous religions that will teach you that, that you'll have what you say, that you, you, you are the product of what you say. Well, where did that originate? With God? See, we don't quit saying what God said because somebody that doesn't believe right is doing that. What does the Word say? I'm going to resolve to stick with the Word. Amen. It was just a question that caused Eve to doubt what she heard from the mouth of God himself. She heard God say that. God told them face to face. What was the question? Has God said? Has God said? Amen. The trend is not the truth. The latest fad is not the truth. The most popular message is not the truth. Jesus said the word was truth. Oh, hallelujah. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And uh, verse 1. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. The, the Passion Translation says, Timothy, in the presence of our great God and our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is destined to judge both the living and the dead by the revelation of his kingdom, I instruct you to proclaim the word of God, stand upon it no matter what. Rise to the occasion and preach it when it is convenient and when it is not. Preach in the full expression of the Holy Spirit with wisdom and patience as you instruct and teach the people. Oh, hallelujah. Notice, preach the word. Proclaim the word. Rise to the occasion and preach 
The Word. Preach the truth. Notice what's to be proclaimed. The Word. Not a pet doctrine. Not a pet doctrine. I'm, sometimes I'm still amazed. People will come up after you, you minister a message, and they'll, they'll talk to you about something that you said from the Scripture, and they'll say, but don't you think? No, 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 no. I, I think what it says. Amen. See, there, there, there is no pet doctrine that counts. Not the way I see it. The Word. The Word. The Word. The Word. The, the Bible says in the book of 2 Peter that the Word has the power to keep you. You are kept by the power of God. Amen. People struggle in their walk with God because they have, they have gravitated away from the truth. When you gravitate away from the truth, you're going away from the source of power. The power to live right's in the Word. If the Word tells me to put off the old man, be renewed in the spirit of my mind, and put on the new man, I can do that because the Bible tells me to. If the Bible tells me that I can stand firm against the onslaught of the enemy, where is the power found to do that? In the Word. In the Word. Oh, hallelujah. The power to live like a son of God is found in 1 John 4, 4. Beloved, now are we the children of God. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So how do we know the greater one lives in us? The word says so. Where's the power to operate as one that the greater one lives in? In the word, in the scripture, in 1 John 4, 4. Glory to God. Do you see that? I, uh, I've talked about this some before. I have an app that, that on, on my phone, uh, a Promise Keepers app. And I don't comment a lot. Uh, most of the time I just scroll through and, uh, you know, hit the like button on something that I like or whatever. But here's the point. Every now and then I'll comment. And there was a, a gentleman not too long ago that was on there. And, and it was on a thread about treating our wives right and doing things. And, and, and he was talking about his struggle and, and how he kept falling. And, and, and he, was, he needed prayers. And, and, I te and I messaged him back, and I said, Brother, I'm praying for you. I said, but here's where the answer is found. The answer is found in his grace. The answer is found in his grace. And I quoted 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to him, where Paul ran up against that messenger of Satan that was buffeting his mind. And he said, I besought the Lord. I prayed. I asked God three times to take this away from me. And he said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you because when you're weak, I'm strong. You're, you're, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And I just, I just really tried to encourage him. I said, brother, you can do all things through Christ. You're more than a conqueror. No weapon formed against you will prosper. People say, people say, oh, pastor, that was so encouraging. It was the word. It's not prayers. How, how can I pray? How would I pray for that? Amen. 
If you are not praying based on the word, your prayer is void of power. If someone came up to me and said, I'm having a struggle in my marriage, would you pray with me? Well, here's what they think that you should pray. Lord, fix their marriage. How many knows that Jesus is not married to your wife? Jesus is not married to your husband. That's your wife or that's your husband. And you're going to have to go to the Word to get the power to be the husband you should be and to be the wife that you should be. Where is the power found to love my wife as Christ loves the church? In Ephesians chapter 5, where I'm told to love my wife as Christ loves the church. Oh, hallelujah. I I hope I'm helping you because I've already preached myself happy. Amen. Do do you see this? So you got to go to the Word. Well, brother, the Word says that you should love your wife as Christ loves the church. And you should give yourself for her. Now let's pray that you'll do that. Let's pray that, that that'll be something that you begin to do. Let's pray that. Now, if they want their marriage fixed, if they want to do right, they'll go down that road. But if they start saying, well, you just don't know my wife. I've had people tell me that. Well, you just don't know my wife. Yeah, but I know the word. Or you just don't know my husband. Yes, but I know the word. That is the answer. See, it's not not what you're going through. It's not how you see it. It's not who you're married to. It's not who you got to deal with on your job. It's not who's in the White House. It's not who's doing this or who's doing that. It's the Word. Preach the Word. Proclaim the Word. Oh, hallelujah. Look look back over at Titus chapter 2. And um, I, I want to say this correctly because the word always works. And, and here's the thing that I understand. The enemy will always try to present you and your flesh will always try to find an easier way than the word. And here's the, here's the thing. There are easier ways to try besides the Word. None of them work. Here's the problem that some people have with the Word. The Word will always deal with you first. Amen. Do, Do you see this? Something as simple as praying for our loved ones. That there are people, they just want God to change their loved ones. And that's what they pray, Lord, change them. Lord, change them. Lord, change them. Well, the Bible tells us how to pray. That their minds would not be darkened. That laborers would be sent into their path. And then are we willing to love them? And then are we willing to help them? You understand? That's the truth of the Word of God. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. 
teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. The Amplified Bible says, For the grace of God, His unmerited favor and blessing, has come forward, appeared for the deliverance from sin, and the eternal salvation for all mankind, it has trained us to reject and renounce all ungodliness, irreligion, and worldly passionate desires to live discreet, temperate, self-controlled, upright, devout, spiritually whole lives in this present world. Glory to God. So notice, grace trains us to live right. Doesn't train us to be okay with not living right. Amen. Understand, we didn't deserve to be saved. There was nothing we could do to be saved. But God, in His great mercy, gave us access to grace. And when we placed faith in Jesus, grace began to work in our lives and produce in us an ability to overcome sin. That is the truth. That's what grace does. Grace teaches you to reject all ungodliness, worldly passionate desires, to live discreet, temperate, self-controlled, upright, devout, spiritually whole lives in this present world. If many of the people that say, well, you know, we're just, we're just under grace and God is love and, and so, you know, this, that, and the other. If they really believe that, that's how they'd be living. Because that word has the power to produce that in our lives. Amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, we find one of the most powerful statements in the New Testament. Paul says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. Hallelujah. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Oh, hallelujah. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Notice, old things are passed away. All things have become new. Old things are gone. All things have become new. This applies to anyone and everyone that will place faith in Christ. When we were born again at the time of salvation, we were made completely new, a species that never existed before. Now, here's the thing. That sounds simple, and it sounds elementary, and we hear it a lot. But if people took that as truth, their lives would look a lot different. Amen. 
their lives would look a lot different. All the old things. Here it is. My former spiritual condition has passed away. All the new things. My current spiritual condition is of God. Now what it says? And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to unto himself and given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. All things are of God. Think how a person's life would be lived and how they would live their life if they really believed all things were of God. Oh, glory. Amen. Right there, sitting where you're sitting tonight. All things are of God. All things are of God. All those things that were put in you at salvation are of God. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. The ability to live above sin, the dominion over sin, the victory over sin, the victory over the curse, the victory over poverty, all of those things, those are all of God. Oh, hallelujah. I cannot be what I was and be new. Cannot be. I cannot be new and be what I was. That's the truth. That, that, that is the truth. Amen. In Galatians chapter 6, Verse 14, uh, the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Galatia, and he says, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified to me, and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. But a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy and upon the Israel of God. Here's what Paul's saying. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Greek. What matters is that you're a new creature. That's what matters. Hallelujah. Rather you observe the customs, the feast days, etc. What matters is that you are all, Jew and Greek, new creatures. That's what matters. Oh, hallelujah. The Amplified Bible says, Peace and mercy be upon all who walk by this rule, who discipline themselves and regulate their lives by this principle, even upon the true Israel of God. So notice, we are to regulate our lives according to this new creation principle. Regulate our lives according to this new creation principle. And by doing so, what will happen? We'll walk in peace and mercy. We'll walk in peace and mercy. 
We'll walk in strength. We'll walk in victory. You regulate your life that way. Amen. And you don't listen to anything that would tell you different than that. Oh, hallelujah. I was talking to a brother not too long ago, and he was, he was at a certain event at a church, and uh, the pastor began to talk about how everybody was just sinners. All of us are just sinners. He said, I'm a sinner. Talking about himself, I'm a sinner. I sin today. I was telling my wife that story, and she went, oh, my goodness. I said, I know. How do they walk in victory? Now, that seems elementary to us sometimes that are taught right. But if you see a believer that's struggling in their walk with God, there is an element there that they're not believing the truth about who they are. I've got to go back and constantly remind myself of these things so that the power of the Word is working in my life and working in, 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 in the situations in my life. No, no, now wait a minute. The Word says this. And this is how we're going to see it. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I was asking uh, Liliana this morning. It was her last day of kindergarten. And uh, last day of school, very, very emotional time, especially in the car line today. Very emotional. A teacher hugging and crying and Lily crying and I'm crying and we're all crying. And, uh, but I was asking her before we left, the house today, I said, what is your favorite scripture? And she made this statement. She said, my favorite scripture is all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's a great scripture because that's where you begin. And if you don't get that, you won't get the rest of it. And I said, boy, that's wonderful. That's great. And I picked her up and set her on the counter. And I said, you know what? It is true. We have all sinned. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. I said, but that's why God sent Jesus. And God sent Jesus to redeem us from our sin and to save us from our sin and to bring us his righteousness and make us right in his sight and make us right in his eyes. Amen. I, 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 I wasn't disagreeing with her. I want her to understand we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. That's a truth. That is the truth. Everybody did that. Everybody has done that. But here's a truth as well. I have been made, even though I sinned and fell short of the glory of God, when I made Jesus my Lord and Savior, I was made the righteousness of God in Christ. I was made a brand new creature. You can't live from we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You've got to live from if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things have begun new. Amen. Become new. Uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God opens up the door. It levels the playing field. It takes any pride away. You understand that? Because you'll remember where that verse is. It's in the book of Romans. And you had a, a, group, a group of Jewish believers that were saying we're right and we're better off because we observe feast days and we're circumcised and we don't eat this and we don't do this. Now, they were born again. And then you had a group of Gentile believers 
that, that said, we're, we're better off because we don't observe feast days. We don't practice circumcision. We don't have the dietary guidelines that you have. So actually, we're more free. And Paul said, wait a minute, guys, you're missing it. Romans is the most, is the most doctrine, doctrinally heavy book that Paul wrote. And he said, here's, guys, he said, here's the problem. He said, neither one of you are better than the other one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You Jews, you've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You Gentiles, you've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that's why God had to send Jesus. So he wasn't saying everybody's sinners that constantly sin and fall short of the glory of God. He's saying, quit bragging. All of you got here the same way. All of you were in the same boat. You were all sinning and falling short of the glory of God. But thank God, God redeemed you and made you a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away and all things have begun new. And that's why in Romans you'll see over and over again statements like sin shall not have dominion over you. Don't let it lord over you. Don't yield your members as members of, uh, as instruments of unrighteousness, but yield your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Why? Because you're a new creature in Christ. That's where you got to live from. Don't let anybody turn you away from that truth. Oh, hallelujah. Do, do you see that? Say it out loud. Say, I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Hallelujah. See, that's where you live in a position of victory from, and that is the truth. That is the truth, and that's how you live in victory. And that's how you live in overcoming, overcoming status on a consistent basis is living from the position of the new creature. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't the Lord good tonight? Hallelujah. Well, we certainly appreciate everybody coming out tonight. We believe that the Lord's doing a work in your life and that everything is going your way. I declare over you that you'll never suffer shortage another day in your life. And that victory is yours. It's a year of turning and returning. Amen. It's a year when we're going to see family members come to Christ. It's a year that we're going to see the flow of the power of God in our life as we've never seen it before. And we just believe God with all of our hearts that that's the case. Amen. Well, everybody can stand up tonight. If you